our focus must be riveted on the Savior and his gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. When we draw his power into our lives, both he and we will rejoice. Welcome to the podcast, Doubt Not, Fear Not. Today we have a very special episode. We'll be talking about a topic that I think is very relevant, and that is the LGBT community and the church. We have a very special guest come to join us to share some experiences, some thoughts and feelings with us. So welcome to Maurice. Kia It's good to be on the podcast and I'm glad we're talking about this, especially, you know, with the churches becoming more diverse. People are talking more about, you know, their sexuality. They're more comfortable than ever before as the world's become a more accepting place to live in. So I think it's super relevant. And how do we gather Zion? And that's by be- becoming more open-minded, um, loving as the Savior did and loving people. I love that. And I think that's definitely something that I'd love to explore is kind of your journey and how the Savior's helped you along that and hopefully we'll be able to discuss some things that will be able to help and inspire people. But maybe we can just start off with you telling us a little bit about your upbringing in the church and kind of your journey. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I've got a pretty typical story. Um, Raised in the gospel, a family of seven children. Mum was the member and my dad was a non-member, but very staunch Latter-day Saint upbringing. When I took us when we were younger, I grew up in it and it was part of my culture, going to church, going to young men's serving a mission and then going to university. I grew up in Tauranga and that's where I spent most of my years just going to church, figuring out who I was and trying to live that plan. And that's a bit of a cookie cutter plan. Go to church, serve a mission, go to uni, get married, all of those things. At a young age, I, I think it was all doable. I knew I had these feelings. I was attracted to the same sex, but also I had experiences with the opposite gender as well. I dated girls and I was like, cool, this isn't too much of an issue. It'll be sorted. So yeah, pretty much that was my upbringing and it's just spent the last four years in Utah. I was working for the church, studying at, at school there. And you said that you knew from a young age that you had same-sex attraction, was that right? Yeah, at a young age, I was just like, okay, cool. I, I think I'm into guys and I also have faith that I can be into girls as well. <laughs> That's just how I kind of felt. If I have faith, um, it's going to work out. And so it wasn't too much an issue in my early 20s. I was like, no, it's all good. And I'd see some of my the Odd Story article talk, calling the church out on like its LGBT policies. And I was like, no, it's okay, Mo. Like, you're going to do this. You're going to go to Utah. You're going to find a wife. And you're going to get married, have these cute Maori American kids. That was kind of the picture that I had painted. And it wasn't until I was actually at a YSA conference live. The YSA, those young adult devotionals they have on Temple Square, I was there. And the whole session was just on marriage and your spouse. And it was the first time where it really hit me because I felt like, wait, I'm hearing this family's marriage. And it was a time where I was struggling to accept myself because I'm like, hang on, I've dated so many wonderful, beautiful girls in the States where it's just not working. And now reality is hitting because for years I've been able to follow the plan, which is serve the mission. Served in Holland, was a good, good Latter-day Saint boy. And Father, I'm just trying to make this plan work. And so when I heard him talking about marriage and they didn't 
really addressed people from LGBT. It just spoke mainly of, like, hey, like, this is all that exists was male, female, and that's it. And that's just how I felt. I was like, that's it. And I was like, okay, surely at the end of it, they're going to acknowledge LGBT or something like that. And they didn't. And so my world kind of came crashing down because it was the first time. It was the first time I felt like I didn't fit in the boat. You know, like, there was a boat that I had trusted in for many years. And I was like, whoa, I don't fit in the boat anymore. And uh, my friend knew something was up. And so she was such a good friend. She went and found the speaker at the end of the devotional and was just like, my friend has some questions. And yeah, I met with the elder at the time and he was a good man. He didn't have many questions. And I learned like not many people have answers. <laughs> Maybe it's a further light of knowledge thing as we move forward, but he didn't really have an answer. He emailed me later saying, hey, the brethren are working on something and we didn't want to address this issue specifically. But I think at that time, in that moment, I just wanted an acknowledgement, like, hey, we know there's some of you who can't be married, you know, just give us a shout out. We're fighting a good fight because it's not easy. You know, we're following this plan and well, what's the end, end goal for us? That plan continues for people who don't have same attraction. But for us, it's just like, okay, cool. Mission and just stay worthy. That's it. That's all I saw at that time. Thank you so much for sharing. Your faith is, is so inspiring and I can't even imagine what that would feel like. So thank you for being willing to share because like you said, I've grown up in the church and I've never heard stories like that ever. Like no one just wasn't talked about. And so I think this is really helpful for people who are going through these similar things to be able to know that they're not alone. Like you said, all that just to be acknowledged, to feel heard and seen. And obviously you are still an active member of the church how do you do it? How do you navigate having that same sex attraction? And I guess my other question would just be like, how has the Saviour helped you with that? Mm. Yeah, good, good question. I think what's helped me a lot on this journey um, was unpacking a lot of my life. So I have a therapist that I've been seeing and she's helped me to differentiate and understand myself and separating certain parts of me. So understanding that first, I'm Maurice, I'm me and I'm Maurice, but I'm also religious. And I'm also um, attracted to guys and I'm also these all these other many things. So she helped me to separate those things. And so all of these expectations I just put on hold so I can focus on who I am, what I want, what are my core values. Because I think growing up, when you're living a religion, sometimes you do it culturally and yeah, that only gets you so far. So I just had to rebuild myself from scratch. And that meant I had to put some things on hold. I had to figure out who I was, what I wanted. And okay, well, my life's on hold. I'm not living the gospel. Oh, I, I see this part, this piece is missing. Okay, I can see the benefits of the gospel and how that has. And w when I follow commandments, I can actually see a difference in my happiness. Ah, oh, okay, cool. So I just just figuring those basic things out. And so that's why I was like, okay, cool. This new version that I have of me, I want to include. I want to include my faith in it because I can see that it works. And I think for me, what's kept me is I see truth for truth of what it is. So I've applied the gospel and I've seen it work. I've seen miracles. I felt the spirit and I've felt feelings that I can't get from the world alone. So cool. I've included that in me. I think for me moving forward was that I had to figure out what I wanted. I'm Maurice. I'm also a follower of Jesus Christ, but also I also have these feelings toward the same sex. 
I haven't got a complete a charter on how I plan that, but for where I'm at right now, it's working. And I think when we talk about the same sex part, I want to have companionship. I want to have someone to text. I want to have someone to spend time with. It gets lonely. So I think it's companionship I'm looking for. But I think those are my non-negotiables. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm me. And I also like companionship. I like someone there. But I would say what I've, the key thing that's helped me is understanding the Savior's love and the church. So I've had to separate between there's Jesus Christ and there's his church. I have a strong, love, loving relationship with Christ and he's helped me along this journey. But I feel like church, it's, a, it's an organization run by humans. And when you look at the church, basically the church is there because it's a vehicle to bring you closer to Christ. It's, it's the transporter. People in the organization can be unkind and I can't put my faith on, on a man. I can put my faith in Christ. So when I look at it, my relationship is firmly, firmly planted with Christ. And I know that this is Christ's church. And that's why I'm staying because I know that he's wanting to gather Zion. We need to be more loving and accepting. And I think that feels uncomfortable to some people. Like, wow, gay people are coming to our church? Like, lesbians, LGBT? It's like, well, yeah, because we're all Christ's children and it's open to everyone. So I think when I look at the grand picture, the reason why I'm staying is because Christ lives. This is his church. And I made promises to help build, to help gather Israel. This is where I found my part and my purpose is that I'm wanting to build the church and hey, let's look at this part of the building of the church and let's improve this. Let's be more inclusive. Let's be more loving to everyone. I think that's beautiful. And, and I guess I was just curious while you were talking. I mean, I totally agree that if we do claim to be Christ's church, we should be loving and, and kind and inclusive. But just out of curiosity, have you had experiences and encounters with people in the church where they've been unkind and uncharitable? And I guess I just ask that because I think we sit in church and, and we like to tell ourselves, our church is kind, our church is Christ-like, but the tr truth is maybe sometimes it's not so much. I'd just be curious as somebody who identifies with a group that often do feel marginalised in the gospel, like if there are any experiences that you could share with us that listeners might think like, oh, that happened in my own church, you know? A good, good question. Eyewitness events, you know, even just as your group of boys or young men growing up, you do hear sniggers towards, you know, LGBT. You do hear mock, mocks and you do hear people talk behind each other's backs. And even from our leaders, like, oh, you know, saying just basically putting other people down because they're not masculine, they're not showing masculine traits because They've got like a flimsy wrist or the way that they speak, the high-pitched voice, just those stereotypes, they're easily picked on. And I witnessed that and I was like, okay, Mo, don't speak with a high voice. Straighten your wrists, straighten your back, look more muscly. Like, don't show weakness because if they find out that you're like them, then they're going to mock you too. I joined a new school and there was a member who went to that school and that member spread rumors about me being gay. And basically it was so hard for me to make friends with boys because of the rumors that had been spread. So yeah, I, I have had that. And that's what forces us to hide. And when we do have those conversations, just chilling with your boys and they are talking about it, I think statistically speaking, 10 to 15% of males, there's someone's LGBT. So, you know, there's someone in your group that might have feelings of same-sex attraction. So just, I think, be kind. Just as President Uchtdorf said, stop it. Like, you don't know who's going through things. It's invisible. But now I think it's come to a point where people's opinions are like the lesser problem now. Like, yeah, it's still a fit. I can't say, yeah, it's people can say things about me and it won't hurt me. Like, yeah, I'll take it in. 
but I've come to that point where I just don't have the capacity to like care anymore. <laughs> I love that and I think it's a good reminder to not get too casual. I mean, we're always told by our leaders, don't be casual about your covenant. But I, th I suppose I think less about don't be casual about kindness mm. and don't be casual about just like the way we speak and, the, and what assumptions we might have. The thought of somebody sitting in church feeling like they have to hide, it's just awful. And hopefully things like this and more conversations like this will mean that less people feel like they have to do that. The church should be a place where they feel safe and loved. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think the, the other yeah. thing, and that's it's a bit of a dichotomy, just from my experiences with friends, my friends who are religious, my friends who are religious are probably the people who are the most persecuted. Like, it's my friends that are from religious backgrounds where they feel more judgment. And, you know, a lot of them, some of them have been kicked out of home. When that wouldn't be Christ's response, I think that's more of a cultural response is to reject your brother, sister, uh, family member because they're gay. Um, when Christ teaches to love people, but a lot of my friends from religious backgrounds say, no, I can't come out because I'll get kicked out or my family will disown me. And like Christ doesn't teach that. It's the culture that people have built. Like He teaches to love people. I think key out of all of it is love. Love like the Savior did. Get rid of that culture that is anti-Christ. Yeah. You're right, especially when the messaging outside of the church is so much like, be who you want to be, love and accept. And so I think it's so impressive that like you choose to stay when the world is so loud telling you that you would be accepted out there mm. and yet you still find it worth it to stay here. You're 100% accurate because that has crossed my mind. Wait, why is my workplace more inclusive than the church? Why are these people who aren't religious so kind and loving? And why isn't my religious organization, Christ's Church, as loving and caring? I, I guess the narrative and the culture has been, okay, cool, you can be gay, but as soon as you do a gay behavior, if you break a covenant, then, oh, okay, I kind of have to put some distance in because you're a sinner, when in fact, like, everyone's a sinner. Yeah, like, we would all be social distancing long before COVID if we had to distance ourselves. From exactly, them. so I think we do have to pause and analyze why we do things, like, just treat me like everyone else. I think people are often scared about things that they don't know or aren't used to, but sometimes that's the trial, is, is stepping out of your comfort zone and, and being willing to learn something new or something different. I know we talked about it a little bit. Why is it still worth it for you when arguably the easier route would be to just leave? I think uh, it was last year or the year before, it was during COVID, President Nelson spoke and he said like, truth is true. And for me, mm. when I live the gospel, I feel happiness. As best as I can, not 100%, when I put effort into keeping covenants, I'm happier. Like, I can't deny that. When I did put things on pause and I stopped living the covenant, living keeping my covenants or living to the expectations, I did feel that peace that the gospel of Jesus Christ provides. I did feel that decrease in my life. And then, okay, let's start building back up to church again. Oh my gosh, I feel happier. So I've been able to draw that conclusion that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes me happy because I've applied it. I remember my spiritual experiences, but I also see his hand in my life. Like, I'm so blessed with a loving family. My career is great. Like, I've been able to work over in the States, go to university. Like. I've surpassed my own expectations of myself and that's because I've seen Christ's hand in that. And I'm able to correlate everything that I've been blessed with has been given because of Jesus Christ. 
And I've also drawn the conclusion, like one of the things about the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that this is a living church. We receive new revelation. I'm not saying doctrine's going to change, that the family proclamation is going to change, but there's still more further light and knowledge to come to help build the church. There's going to be more solutions, more offerings, more opportunities for LGBT in the church. You just got to toughen up, endure to the end and hold on. No, that, I don't, that's just my personal beliefs. I feel like something's coming. And again, not doctrine change, but there's going to be more solutions. And that's why I choose to stay, because I want to help. I don't believe I've been blessed with the gospel just to be your everyday member. I think I'm here to help at the bottom to, even if it's just a congregational level, to help make my church members more aware of LGBT. I think a, a few weeks ago, I um, shared with my eldest quorum class, whilst I was teaching a lesson, about the experience I've had, you know, being been attracted to guys and they were all loving and accepting and it was cool and as I talk about it more and share my experiences it builds an idea to non-LGBT Latter-day Saints you know like oh Mo is just like everyone else he's a disciple of Christ he's these things and not your typical stereotype you see portrayed in the media but it gives them exposure to LGBT Saints so when they're future bishops future leaders future dads they know Okay, what, what did Maurice share? Or maybe I can talk to Maurice about this situation. How do I handle this? So I think the church is just going to get more diverse, but we need people to stay to help contribute to that. Because I believe this is Christ's church, and that this will help people draw closer to him. I visualize this. I see younger versions of me, 12, 13-year-olds, teenagers, or even just males sitting there experiencing what I did, talking about families and just dying inside because they don't feel like they fit in the plan. I want to change that, not change the doctrine, but I just want to change and know that they can, that there's a place for them on the boat. And so if that's talking about it more, educating my friends and leaders about LGBT saints, then hey, that's my contribution is that I want to change this experience that gay Latter-day Saints have in the church. And so that's why I choose to stay because I want to change that. I don't want people to have the same experiences I had growing up. I want it to be easier for them. And I love that, and I think, who better to do that than you? If it's not you, who's going to do that? I, I know it's a, like a, my lived experience is vastly different from yours, but I remember when I went to uni and started learning about a lot of things and reading church history and realizing there was a lot that's gone on that I wasn't taught in primary and all of those kinds of things and, and thinking, I could leave. I, I had learned enough that if I wanted to, I could leave. But then what? First of all, where would I go? <laughs> and second of all, who's going to help the people up? Like, someone's got to do it, and who better than our own members? I, I, I hear you. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I agree with you, and I am grateful and know that the church is so much better because people like you choose to stay. And it adds, like you said, diversity that we need and perspective that we need so yeah, yeah. no Thank no you. worries i think you know the perfect analogy is just like the lord's vineyard right everyone's working i'm over here in the the lgbt patch i see the people <laughs> like, they're pruning right. they're harvesting but a lot of people there's not many people there and it's easy to give up it's easy to walk away and i get it mm. i get it and i'm not judging other right. people for doing what they're, they're doing what's best for them what they're capable of but for me, you know, I've been blessed with a bit more energy, maybe a bit more armor. And we've all had unique spiritual experiences that have solidified our witness of Christ. And so, yeah, I choose to stay in the vineyard, to work at what I can, 
and help other people in that vineyard. As I've talked about it more, I've had people message me, hey, how can I live the gospel? How can I still acknowledge my feelings? Because I think there's a lot of narrative that says you have to choose one. You can't sit on the fence, it's black and white. And yeah, some things are black and white. Truth is truth, but that narrative sometimes isn't what Christ taught, you know? It doesn't, if not one situation is one size fit all with, with, with some things. And it's just like, no, like the, the gospel is about trying your best, getting back up. And just because you have same-sex attraction doesn't disqualify you from living the gospel. It's just like, yo, get back up. Like the sacrament is for everyone because everyone makes mistakes and that applies to us. Regardless of our sexuality, that applies to us. So remember those core principles. Don't disqualify yourself just because you have feelings or because you're sin. Because that's universal with a lot of people. But I think it's just that narrative. I feel close to Christ. And hey, if I was to pass away tomorrow, I could look Christ in the eyes and say, hey, I tried my best, because I did. And even now, uh, our leaders, they talk about, they're praying, they're petitioning the Lord on how to handle this. And, you know, with the information we have right now, that's what we have, but I'm here to advocate for change, congregational level. Thank you for that. My question now, like you said, on a congregational level, what's something that you think members can do to help people that are part of the rainbow community, LGBT community, feel like they belong? Because I feel like you gave a really good discussion about what you might say to LGBT saints who might be struggling. What would you love to tell members, assuming like heterosexual Yeah, I would just say to them is the gospel principles still apply. It's so simple, but I think, you know, there's the way, as soon as we think of gay, we think of things straight away, like flamboyant, camp, like yasis, like all of those things, it's just like, Okay, you might witness that and see that, that's okay, but still, just love people. Treat them like your mate, like see beyond that they're more than their sexuality. Yeah, you might not know how to relate with them, it might make you feel uncomfortable because you're like, it's a gay person, I don't, never, I've just seen them on TV, but like we're, just like everyone else, <laughs> we're guys, and yeah, some of us dress differently, talk differently, but so does everyone. So I'd say the, the same principles apply, just love people, treat them like your friend. Just treat them like everyone else. And again, I think it just sits back to culture and existing behaviors we've had. And I think we just have to unlearn some things and apply the principles of Christ's love. It all ties back to Christ. Just love people, be their friend, say hello. So just hear them out and just be a friend. Pretty simple. <laughs> You're right. It makes you think of that song that we taught, the one with the, the sign language. And it says, by this shall men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one Exactly. That's like the Savior says, that's the difference, right? Like that's how people are going to know you're a follower of me because you will love one another. And I understand love can look, you can interpret that probably how you like, but you also can just interpret it just like that, you know, <laughs> to, right on, to love right the on. people. It doesn't say, you know, yeah, only love the straight people, only love the people who don't sin because everyone sins regardless <laughs> of their sexuality. Yeah. Only love yeah. the people that love it's, it's, me. It's, yeah, yeah, he doesn't say that. So just love, that's the, the main principle. What will Christ do? And yeah, I think just reiterating as love as the Savior does. I used to say I struggle with same-sex attraction. I used to think Ether 12, 27, it says this, and if men come unto me, I will shine to them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I'll make weak things become strong. And so, you know, it's taken 31 years, but he's helped me 
to be strong and accepting myself and owning who I am and seeing the bigger picture of how I fit into his plan. Not only like am I doing stuff in the church, but I'm doing things out in the community as well. Just my patriarchal blessing, it talks about being an influence for good. And that's what I've got to focus on is we all have talents and abilities, but using that as an influence for good. It's just because Heavenly Father's helped me across the way. I had to learn and, I'm, and rebuild. I'm on a good trajectory from where I'm heading right now. That was beautiful. And I love how you always bring it back mm. to the Saviour, like, because that's yeah. what it should be about. That's who we should be striving to live like. That's who we should be always trying to emulate. The reason why we do anything is because of Him. The reason why we can try again. The reason why we have hope, have peace. I love what you said. The reason why you've learned to love yourself is because of Heavenly Father and because of the Saviour. And that's yeah. how it should be, you know? Let people go on their journey and figure it out. Just be that loving person because if you want to be supportive, you have to be supportive even when, you know, they're not making the right choices for themselves. Um, Christ didn't say, you know, this new commandment right. I give unto you and only when they're keeping the commandments. Like, just be there 24-7. It doesn't mean you agree with what they're doing. You're just loving them unconditionally just like the Saviour does. Um, you, and just because you're loving doesn't mean you condone their sin, doesn't mean you condone their behaviour. You can just love. You don't have to love on condition. It's just being there for them so that when they're ready to come back or when they're ready to, like, they look back, then they know that they have a loving home to always come back to. And I think that's being key is when people are at their lowest, it's just knowing that they can turn to you at any time of the day. Be like, okay, I think I've had enough now and I want to turn back to Christ or I want more of Christ in my life. At least I can go back to this community because I feel their love and they're going to love me. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. And I hope that we can create an environment where people know that no matter where they go, whether it's a step out the door or 40Ks or 100Ks out the door, that yeah. they are always welcome back. And if they don't feel that, then perhaps we need to be thinking about things that we might do to, to minister. That's what leaving the 99 yeah. and finding the one So is true, like. so true. Like you said, it's just letting them know yeah. through behaviours that they are always welcome. We can help with the experiences they experience at congregational level. Just love to anyone going through it tough right now or even if you're just figuring, out, figuring it out is focus on that relationship with Christ. Sometimes you might not feel to engage with church leaders or with your church community or your family because you've, you've faced some hard things or discrimination or maybe feel unsafe. But really, you can rely on Jesus Christ. You can rely on Him, the Father. Talk to them. Ask for help. I know you might feel unworthy of that. It might be hard to pray. But even if it's just a couple of words, just reach out to them. And just as I've felt, you will see signs. You will see someone will come your way. You'll see a message that's unique to you. And you'll feel the Savior's love. Just focus on building that relationship with Him, the Father, Jesus Christ. Even if things aren't right. You feel unworthy. Like, that's what the gospel teaches, is that they're always there. They are heavenly parents. So just reach out in prayer. Just a few words. Just try to be consistent with that and do what you can and focus on that relationship. I think we have covered a lot, and, and I just want to say how grateful I am for you giving us your time to share and to be open and to be vulnerable. I can only imagine it's not easy to share, but I know that so many people will be blessed listening to this to understand an experience that perhaps they had never thought about before or to see somebody doing something that maybe they're going through right now, that they can know that there is hope and peace that can be found for everyone mm -hmm. in the gospel and that the Saviour's love can be felt no matter what. Mm -hmm.
Doubt Not Fear Not podcast series has been produced out of the Auckland Institute building with contributions from young adults across New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend to direct others to this podcast or listen to other episodes in this series or to enroll in the institute class associated with the podcast. See our website at doubtnotfearnot.podbean.com. This recording is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The views expressed are those of the participants and are neither the official doctrine nor the official teachings of the church.